Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we're kicking off the 2024 season, wow, 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 2024 season, by talking about Dumpuary. Dumpuary. What is Dumpuary? It's where all the bad, good or bad, or sometimes bad, bad movies go to die in the box office. But we're returning from our hiatus to discuss the winter 2024 films that got us through this last six or so weeks. Also the iciest time of year. I don't know about you all here in Oklahoma. My pipes did in fact freeze since we last recorded, which is not fun. So how did I survive watching some very bad movies? Uh, So we're gonna be doing a series of short mini discussions covering a few of the biggest movies that have been released this winter. More specifically, the films we're gonna be hitting on are Argyle, The Beekeeper, Mean Girls the Musical, or Mean, I guess it's technically just called Mean Girls, but Mean Girls the Musical, Origin and Society of the Snow. Rejoining me today, as always, he's back for another season. He's more insightful than ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's coming back from his cinema mountain of meditation. Laurent Chapman, my co-host, award-winning Oklahoma filmmaker. Welcome back, sir. Thank you for taking me out of hibernation. I'm still asleep. <laughs> he's still asleep. Oh, man. <laughs> Guys, he's actually just uh, projecting. This is astral projection. Astral projection. (laughs) (laughs) He's still asleep and watching movies at the same time. Oh, yes. And talking. That's that's a thing year-round. That's not not new. (laughs) (laughs) Also rejoining us, Cinematropolis contributor, Flick Attack contributor, Daniel Bo Kemper. Welcome back, sir. Hey, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here. And uh, Daniel, you're writing, you're already working on those quiz questions for our, our kickoff yeah, show next year. Yeah, not even gonna, you have no idea yeah. what's coming. So listeners, if you want to hear the three of us talk about the upcoming movies, uh, the movies that are coming out in 2024, you should go back two episodes where we did a little sneak peek episode. And uh, fun fact, several of the dates we gave on that podcast already have changed, yes. including Planet of the Apes uh, was one. Mickey 17. Mickey 17. Yeah. Going to happen. Uh, no, it's going to happen. It's just well, not this year, uh, right? Not in the first half of the year. I, okay. I, I actually wonder if they don't slide that into more of the fall season to set mm. it up for some awards okay. potential. We'll see. Yeah, we'll I see. So. It would make sense there. Uh, but yes, we had a fun little bit of a preview coverage, and then uh, Daniel and Lauren competed in some trivia, and Daniel Bo Kemper, uh, despite his inferiority complex, overcame it to to steal the win. A hard uh, fought battle. Uh, sorry, fought. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I'm so happy you guys could both uh, join us. Hey, listeners, before we get into today's review, I say this every time. Um, we're going to be giving away some prizes. I'm not going to announce it on this show, but keep your eyes peeled on the Cinematropolis social media. So that's uh, Instagram, maybe X, definitely Facebook, um, the Cinematrop, uh, because we have a lot of swag we're going to give away. But in order to unlock said swag, you need to follow us on those channels. And most importantly, you need to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We have a goal to get to 200 reviews this year. I'm sitting at 40. And I know, based on the downloads, that there are a lot of you who've been listening for a while who have not left a review. Takes like 10 seconds. Uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, if you have an iPhone, it's already on your phone. Click it, search, leave a review at the bottom. Would love to get your feedback. And hey, leave us a note. Maybe you think there are things that we could do better on the show, or maybe you think we're awesome. Either way, leave us that rating, give us a review, follow us on social media. We have some cool swag from some of the prestigious films of last year that we're gonna be giving away uh, as a prize. Um, So leave that review, make sure you screen cap it and uh, follow us on social for more. That said, gentlemen, I'm kicking us off. We are gonna be talking about a couple movies about assassins that have alternate career paths in life. So to, to break the ice today, I wanted to start with what alternate career would you take up as a retired assassin. So you've, you've lived your career, you're settling down and you need a good cover. It could be, you know, beekeeping being one example of this. <laughs> so Daniel Bokemper, I'll start with you. I don't feel like you ever truly retire from as an, as an assassin. I think retiring as an assassin is you, you just die. You are always susceptible to be pulled back in. But if I were to do it, I would do something as incons- inconspicuous as possible. I think I'd sell hot dogs because hot dogs stand. Yes, when you do get dragged in, that hot dog cart back in, that hot dog cart can hide a lot of stuff. I feel like, you know, maybe they're just like waiting to be weaponized a little bit. Um, but at the same time, if someone makes like a biopic 
of 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 my life as a, a hot dog salesperson turned back into an assassin. Like, wouldn't it be a cool marketing piece to have like a pipe bomb inside of like hot dog bun? Wouldn't mm-hmm. that just like just saving it for m- a good time? Like, if they pull me back in, it's in this final. Yes. <laughs> Would you like you like a bratwurst, sir? And then, oh, it's live. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Would you just like it hot TNT. and just yeah. <laughs> So, so what, what what kind of what is that job title actually called, Daniel? I, a hot I dog man? No, I can't be just hot dog man. Hot dog stand um, man. Sausage fest. Hot dog stand. Yes, yeah, sausage sausage festival coordinator. Um, yeah, sausage I, master. I don't know. I would assume a uh, hot dog sales person. Mister Fixins. Mister Fixins. Yes, I'd like some ketchup on that fixin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so Daniel. You're gonna be Mr. Hot Dog Salesman. That's so. That's yeah. So so when they make the movie, it's called the the Mr. Hot Dog Salesman. Yes. Okay. Okay. Hot Dog Salesman. It is Laron Chapman. What alternate career would you take? Man, in another life, I'm a triple threat as a filmmaker, dancer, and musician. And you know, I've always the latter two of those things I enjoyed a lot. You know, like, but I've never pursued anything musically in terms of you know, an instrument, always wanted to play an instrument. So I feel like I've become like a folk singer or, or a blues singer and like really dive bars. Like, I don't want to go mainstream. I want to have like those indie oh, yeah. roots, you know, so. You gotta have the griminess the of griminess, the dive bar. Yeah, yeah, I just want to have like, yeah, the local the local town, you know, pony t- show and pony show, but yeah. The folk singer. The folk singer. <laughs> they left off a bar one ste- last time. Exactly, and I go step out for a smoke and get a hot dog from, from Daniel. From the yes. hot dog salesman. <laughs> oh, it's a crossover event. You don't have a, just a gun in it. Uh, you know, mine was a little more on the nose. I was going to go with the pest control man. You know, you know, you can't kill people anymore. You, you might as well exterminate the pests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you still have it. You can keep it the same LLC. Yeah. You know, pest control. You know, previously when you're an assassin, you take care of the pest, you know, the threats to society. Mm. Uh, pest control, you can also kill the bugs, or the rats. You could also be the rat catcher. It could be another, like, sub. The only thing I can think of right now is Men in Black and how he how goes around <laughs> as the exterminator. Yeah. So so my exterminator would definitely be blue collar. I, I have found that uh, the um, pest control men I've worked with in my life who have treated our house, they're so good at their jobs. Thank you for putting your life on the line to stop those bugs. Very blue collar. So I think, you know, they're going to the dive bars to watch the folk singer who is getting a hot dog from the hot dog salesman outside. Mm -hmm. While listening to some live entertainment at the bar. So, but I don't want to be in a world where you guys aren't in it. So I feel like that makes sense that all these worlds are interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. We just retired from our careers to be still be around each other. At what point (laughs) is it turned to a Mr. and Mrs. Smith situation when we all get assigned to be a target for each other? We all pull out recruiting a team. We pull out. I pull out like a a a gun from my bug zapper. Daniel pulls out a dynamite. Out of my guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, listeners, I must know. What alternate career path would you take up as a retired assassin? You should let us know by hitting us up on social media. I mentioned that Facebook, Instagram, Threads. X, Twitter, whatever. Uh, or you could just email us at the cinematropolis at gmail.com. Without further ado, let's get to our first film of this week Argyle. I certainly hope you dance as well as you dress. There's only one way to find out. You and I, we're not so different. Agent Argyle. Little help? Hold on. The book is phenomenal, sweetie, but... What happens next? It's called a cliffhanger, mother. Ellie, it's called a cop-out. According to IMDb, Argyle is described as a reclusive author who writes espionage novels about a secret agent in a global spy syndicate realizes the plot of the new book she's writing starts to mirror real-world events in real time. Oh, boy. So to start things off here, I probably should have clarified, Not all of us have not seen all the movies that we're talking about. So in this case, Daniel and I Mm -hmm. have seen Argyle, and Laron sat this one out. 
which is good. This is a team effort. The coverage, <laughs> yes. Uh, where Daniel is the, the 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 guy who covers everything. So good on you, Daniel. <laughs> I don't feel good about the one we're about to talk about. <laughs> so Daniel, yes, tell us what do you think of our guy? I mean, I see you like okay. It's weird because it it almost treads this fine line of like there are films that I really enjoy. So for for whatever reason, what I'm thinking about when I think about Argoyle or I was going into it was um it wasn't from last year. I think it was 2022, The Lost City with like Sandra Bullock and oh, Jamie yeah. Tatum. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, kind of a similar film set up about a writer. What they're writing happens to be true in some capacity or at least correlates with something that's happening and they get pulled into this world of like criminal espionage intrigue. There's parallels there. And, and I think that film, it was for the most part pretty charming. I wasn't like blown away by it, but I did enjoy it. And I think Argyle kind of wants to do a lot of things and one of them is be that quirky kind of fun action adventure movie but it just loses itself so quickly i think it doesn't have any like it doesn't know how to build tension and at the same time um i don't think this is a spoiler in saying this film is like built on so many twists mm -hmm. that none of them resonate i remember when i thought glass uh, M. Night yeah. Shyamalan's glass had a lot of twists. And I thought like, wow, this is overbearing and this is annoying. This film, I, I feel like um, Matthew Vaughn took glass as a personal challenge to see how many <laughs> twists and how many turns and how many double crosses he could stuff into a single film. And it's a lot. And I, the film is already long, like it's two and a half hours long and it's probably probably like 30 to 45 minutes way too long. I would, I would go an hour. Yeah. I would say an hour. Yeah. It, 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 I, that, okay, my biggest thing is I actually feel like there's a good idea here. There's an mm -hmm. amazing cast. I, yes, I love yes, the watching cast is Sam excellent. Rockwell. It's great to see Bryce How uh, Dallas Howard again. Brian it, Cranston pops up for a minute. Like it's got, it's got the goods with the talent. Yes. And they do some good stuff, but there's just so much not good stuff. Yes. Yes. It's just a, a lot of treading, a lot of just not, you never get to get your bearings and by extension, you never truly connect with many of the characters despite good performances. And uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is really good. But this, this character I, of uh, Ellie, who I'm not, not going to get too far into it, but it, it doesn't, it just doesn't, you don't feel particularly connected to them. And at the same time, I feel like some of the cast is kind of squandered. I'm, I'm thinking of Henry oh. Cavill, Dua Lipa, like some of the like really they got Dua Lipa to show up in this movie. She's in, for, she's in the trailer for I like know. thirty seconds. So yes, <laughs> and then totally thrown away. Yes, totally you, thrown away. You would, yeah. No. And they there's some weird logic choices. I'm not gonna overly spoil it, but Henry Cavill doesn't. He's showing up as like her imagination, mm -hmm. which is kind of mm -hmm. again, that's an interesting idea executed pretty poorly and then you find out later one of the twists is the person that it, he doesn't correlate to the person that she's imagining the whole time but it's not it's not like a creative it doesn't feel like a creative choice it just feels like not thought through I, okay I'm, i know we're not talking about spoilers but i even quit by the time you get through the film i question that even like i don't know what is actually in a very bad way i do not know what the like reality of the film is because it's just so unclear. And well, so that, okay, so that's my that leads to one of my big problems with the movie is the idea is okay. She's a writer living in the grounded real world, mm -hmm. and you see, and you mm -hmm. see it in the trailer. Yeah. Oh, it's this her in the novel. It's spectacular, mm -hmm. larger than life fantasy. The opening set piece is kind of fun. The the one that you see in the trailer, it's a little more blown up and extended. I was like, oh, that was a pretty good one. Mm -hmm. A little CG heavy, but I, 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 had, I had a good time. <sighs> the problem is the action and the re air quotes real world is just at no actually sillier than what's in the fantasy novel. So there's yeah. no lines of like, Oh uh, yeah. There's no Separation. tonal, there's no, juxtaposition or no tonal whatsoever. or aesthetic distinction. It's just, here's Henry Cavill every once in a while. And <laughs> yeah, like that's, that's your, that's your tell. Which, yeah. which, which part of the world, which world you're in, but it isn't clearly distinct at all. That's exactly but like right. Not like, even like, they don't yeah. even try. They don't even no. pretend to try to be no. like, Oh, this is the real world. This is the fantasy. It's not that they're just the same thing at this mm. point. Yeah. Mm. Um, Hey, did you know Ariana DeBose is in this movie? <laughs> no. Oscar An winning Oscar winner, <laughs> Ariana DeBose. I, I, I remember her getting shot really early in the film. That is in the opening of the movie. Yes. And then I, yeah, I think she comes back around in some she's, capacity. But she's, I, uh, I, it, I mean, listen, 
<laughs> it was very much like, oh, she's in this. Oh, wait, yeah. I would. It, she's it's having a bad rap a after Oscar, and she wished what didn't didn't make a wish, and now she I, basically I, is a cameo. But it, like the characters seem is it's a it's a cameo that's super important. So mm-hmm. you're like, oh, yes. so it can't really be a cameo. Then they talk about her like her character was a big deal, mm-hmm. but then she's in it for like it, what a minute, maybe. Oh, if that, like maybe. It, it's weird because it's very much like. I feel like on paper, if you were just given the pitch for this movie, it'd be very easy to get on board with it. No, I think that's the thing. The premise, I think, is is very sellable. I uh like the premise. I think it's super fun. And they have the the, the cast is right. It's just Matthew Vaughn, it's weird. I I generally like him as a director. He has made, I mean, X-Men and First Class was a huge home run for me. I think Kick-Ass um, was his, too. Kick-Ass was his, and that was a pretty good one. I think, uh, I even the first Kingsman, uh, mm. first one mm. specifically, actually a pretty fun spy movie, and it mm. felt fresh. And I super, Stardust is probably one of my like yeah. favorite fantasy films that I've yeah. ever seen. So he's got the goods. Layer Cake. Layer Cake, yeah. 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 So I mean, like that's early, early, mm-hmm. before we, we went I, commercial. I, I feel like he's getting worse, though. and mm. like Because every one of the Kingsman movies that comes out has been worse I, than the I one I think he needs it. to let the Kingsman... <sighs> Espionage thing go. Yeah, oh. he did it. He did it right once, and he didn't do it right again. Well, I have some bad news for you. Has some bad news, Lamont. He's, he's not letting. Lamont, did that you one. know that you could you could ice skate on oil like crude oil? You know, you could do that. <laughs> I know now. CGI <laughs> allows you to do it. Um, yeah, that and you mentioned the CGI. Just kind of one last thing on the on the choreography of the the, the fight choreography. You you have the potential to do it really well. And again, I think that that opening action set piece is all right, but then it just. It forfeits a lot of that in favor. No, no, that's the best one. After that, yeah. it be, because it gets sloppier, it leans more on CG. The editing is not very good. Um, no, it's yeah, it's just a huge waste of. I, I think it's insulting how big a waste of talent this is. I mm. mean, this is an expensive movie. And here's the other thing: Apple is actually we give them a pat on the back. They are trying to make a push into the theatrical, unlike Netflix. They're like, hey, no, we're going to put out Killers of the Flower Moon. We're going to put out Napoleon, mm-hmm. and we're going to put out in this case Argyle. Well, they spent $200 million on this movie, and it's just oh, a bad no. movie. It's just a bad movie. And I'm worried that they're going to see, you know, Killers of the Flower Moon made okay money, oh. definitely not gangbusters. Napoleon made okay money, and then Argyle flopped. And I'm just really worried. I'm like, listen, guys, you're getting this money. Make a good movie. Make a good movie. Yeah. You have the resources. and Because they're, they're basically giving these people unlimited creative freedom, and it's just it's just being squandered. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like. Daniel Bo Kemper, we could really, <laughs> we could, there's a lot more to hate about this movie. What letter grade would you give it, though? Oh, it's a, I shouldn't say hard D, but I'm going to. It's a, it's a, a hard it's a, D. A hard it's D. It's a hard D. That I will not. Hard I, D for Henry Cavill's haircut? M- <laughs> most things, yeah. Most things tend to appreciate. There are certain films that have, appreciate it for me even ones i've reviewed on this on this very podcast that i would change my letter grade if you asked me again but this one i, I do not foresee it yeah. changing uh this is also a d for me i almost went d minus but you know i had really i anytime any of these actors show up at all it's just the fact that they're on the screen yeah. I, it puts a smile on my face even when everything around them that, is so bad and so stupid uh yeah. and and i haven't talked we haven't really talked about the stupid and what i mean is i'm all in for stupid but the movie has to lean into it, and it mm-hmm. just it just doesn't. It's just sloppy, yeah. and it's it makes the audience it makes me feel dumber for getting on board <laughs> with some of the things anyway. And I'm down, generally down for this kind of thing. It needs to be smart about how it's stupid, and mm-hmm. this just doesn't. It just feels yes. like yeah. the whole script just does not feel thought through. It yes. felt like it needed at least three well, more passes. And we're going to talk about a film that, while not perfect, I think in a few moments is smart about how it's stupid. It's very smart about how it's stupid Absolutely. for the most part, at least. Yeah. So I'm also going to end with a D. Uh, so. And I'm gonna give it an unqualified A for saving us forever having to see that trailer in a Oh, thank again. God! Yeah. It was in front of every single movie. <laughs> I was, was like, please come trailer. out so I can stop seeing this trailer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my favorite part about putting bad movies behind you. Is like, well, we don't have to see it's that trailer. It's over now. Yeah. yeah, we did that. <laughs> All right, those are our reviews. Uh, or I should say, those are Daniel Bokemper and Caleb Masters reviews of Argyle. It real bad, mm-hmm. and you know what? I would say even when it is on Apple, if you have, if you're a subscribing member, you really don't. Just go watch Killers of the Flower Moon. It's only an extra hour longer, and it's a better movie. Go go watch Napoleon. And I didn't even love that one, but it's definitely better than Argyle. Yeah. yeah. Without further ado, let's move on to a arguably good dumb movie, The Beekeeper. You're a blessing, Mister Clay. 
This place was crabgrass and weeds, and you brought it back to life. Mrs. Parker and I were friends. She was like family. She was the only person who ever took care of me. I just got a message saying that there's a problem with my computer. Yes, ma'am, we got this. Yesterday, she shot herself. This is private property. Do you know what they do here? Scamming the weakest in our society? Buddy, I'm counting to three. One, two, three. There, I did it for you. No, you can't. I'm gonna burn this place to the ground. Will you stomp his ass out? You're telling me one man did this. The only thing you know is he's a beekeeper. A beekeeper, a beekeeper? Well, that's not good. So The Beekeeper was released exclusively in theaters on January 12th, which, wow, so long ago uh, already. According to IMDb, The Beekeeper is described as one man's brutal campaign for vengeance takes on national stakes after he is revealed to be a former operative of a powerful and cl clandestine, ooh, big words, IMDb, organization <laughs> known as The Beekeepers. This film is directed by David Ayer and written by Kurt Wimmer. And I mention this just because I didn't realize David Ayer had directed this movie. Mm -hmm. And I watched the trailer and I was like, wait, wait, at what point did David Ayer start getting in on the joke about him? <laughs> like, cause this, in my opinion, he's not had the best run in the last 10 years. Yeah. Suicide Squad did not do him any favors. And I don't yeah. feel like anything he's made since has really been that great. But um, that said, Laron Chapman, what did you think of The Beekeeper? Yeah, so this is a very, very, very dumb movie, but it is also um, stupidly entertaining and aware of itself, um, which makes it it makes it uh, a fun ride. And Jason Statham, I think, is just the perfect actor for this kind of material because yes. he always just plays everything super straight and he sells it. You know, even in the most absurd moments, he plays him with conviction. And it oddly grounds the stupidness in some some semblance of like, okay, this is a story. I'm following along with it. Yes, this is silly, but everyone knows it is. And so, um, I had a good time with this, honestly. And I had I and I'm living in a world where I wouldn't have imagined I'd like this more, you know, than Argyle. Right. Admittedly, I haven't seen it yet, but it's. I, I feel like I'm going to agree with both of you on that. Um, and that this this being a better movie than than that seems kind of inconceivable. But here we are. I would watch The Beekeeper three more times before I'd watch <laughs> yes. it again. And again, I'm with you. I was like, I don't even, again, David Ayer lately. Yeah. I, I generally like Matthew Vaughn a lot, not David Ayer very much. These types of movies, these like revenge fantasy type things, I I get, I go back and forth on how much I'm a, I am allow myself to enjoy, enjoy them because, and we'll get into it, but sometimes I'm like, eh, this feels kind of icky. But in this case, the movie is so aggressively dumb, I can't yes. even take the gross element seriously. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, it's just a cartoon. Yeah. Daniel Bogan. Yeah, no, and it also doesn't like, and I know like films like John Wick, which I think might be a natural comparison for this one, even though John Wick is better. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Pretty yeah, much every John Wick film is better than this one. But it has this this idea, this very ambiguous powers that be, and they work in a certain way. And, and in John Wick, you do get explanations of like how the Continental works and things mm -hmm. like that. But this one with its beekeepers and then society at large it only does the bare like surface level and yeah. it does not elaborate all that much um beyond the phrase like protect the hive about like what all of these mm -hmm. machinations are and how they work and i think that in turn works for the film <laughs> exceedingly well because another part i like we talk about jason statham i will say a lot of the not so much the cast but specifically the characters um in this film didn't work for me. I think when it starts to wane for me most is actually when Jason Statham isn't on screen. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, 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 the FBI agent, that, their, their banter, their banter yeah. was, it was very flat. It was, uh, it just, it was again, land. It, it, yeah. again, that entire supply, ridiculously dumb. Ridic okay. Yeah. So, so we should clarify that the FBI agent who is leading or at least yeah. uh, participating in the investigation, investigating her, her own mom just, Air quotes killed herself. Yes, and yeah. she's it's over and the so iconic like, Felicia Rashad, and yeah, extended it's, cameo. It's bizarre. But. And then like every time they're like, we're we're hunting a beekeeper. Her superiors are all like, whatever you need, whatever you need. Just I got tell you. me what you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just yeah. no questions asked. None. 
I will say Jeremy Irons really yeah. did, did so well in this a, film okay. for me because he's like the severity he has oh. and the like very much like oh, oh, oh. he's going to be the last thing you, you see, ever no, see. And I, I want to say, so you mentioned John Wick 1 and one of the things that, uh, and I'm not saying this is a problem, but I, I think especially the later John Wick films get away from the element of, wait, you killed whose dog? You know, mm-hmm. and and like everybody in the world is just like, oh, oh you shit, you fuck, yeah. we are, you're you dead. <laughs> Jeremy Irons, it's and, and any time he's talking to other people in the upper echelon who know what the beekeepers are, he's like, yeah, my son, he uh, he went and messed with the beekeeper, and they're like, wait, oh, he did, wh- he did wait, what? what? <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> this even is a big deal, and that whole monologue he says about like he's just like he's like, no, son, I can't. Yeah, he's can't. like, no, he's like the that's, last that's... two lies things you'll see in life are his eyes. <laughs> just a great, great delivery from Jeremy. Yes, Adams, yes. Josh Hutcherson too, hamming it up is oh, yeah. pretty oh, hilarious. Yeah. Just the... Insufferable tech yeah. bro, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, the scene where he uh, drives the guy on the, over the, uh, the the so the first baddie who's running the first uh, mm-hmm. a he obviously blowing up that whole facility was amazing. Yes. Um, yes. But that when the guy's on the phone with Josh Hutcherson being like, ah, uh, yeah, he's coming after, and then he just Dude. kills him on oh. the call. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, it's um. So I have a question for you guys. I've heard online, um, a lot of people are saying this is a very uh, right-wing fantasy, like mm. January 6th type fantasy. And what I mean is, slight, I guess I will slightly spoil the beekeeper. We find out about halfway through the movie that Josh, Josh Hutcherson's mom is the president of the United States. <laughs> and that his stealing all the money from the old people was part of what funded her election campaign. Mm-hmm. And then, and the the, the unbeknownst to unbeknownst her. to her, and then the the kind of like closing big set piece, which we won't get to the specifics of, but it it's it feels very like the little guys come in to take down the evil, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, politicians or whatever. I don't know. What you guys? What do you guys make of that? I can see it, but it's no. such a broad stroke, and I mean. You know, he's kind of the Robin Hood of the like, he's doing the, you know, the will of the people, you know, that have been robbed and scammed by, you know. And even the scamming thing in this is really oh, so theatrical. Silly. I, I, oh, yeah. He's like on the phone, t- training the people, like clicking back and forth between telling them while he's actively like robbing. He's like, he's like, oh yeah, one point two million dollars. We got a winner, baby. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Just, just click this button right here. Yeah, yeah. Put your, yeah. We need your password and your social security and your. You and know, even the on-screen very... prompts feel very out of a cartoon. Mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I guess you had to add to that too. It's it's way too broad. It's like way too. Like, like, too, yeah, remove from that. It's not focusing if it's going on. for it. It's you know what I mean. It's too light, fair to to really take seriously in that way. But no, I, and, I thought and, I thought so too. But I, it wasn't just. I heard that from like mul- not just like mm. one person. It was like multiple people were saying that. And I was like, I guess I can kind of see that. Yeah. But you know, I could. Too. I think there's a choice, and and this may be simply to like. I I don't know if the the you know David Ayer was actively thinking about it necessarily, yeah. but like I think there's a choice at the end of the film that's more or less. To set up for the the sequel or mm. bequel, the bequel. Uh, please but, call it the bequel. But the uh, like, <laughs> I, I think there's a choice at the end of the film that really diffuses a lot of sure. that idea. I know what you're talking about. The yeah, the right, fact yeah. that he did not deti- like like uh, dissolve into a pile of bees at the end was a huge miss. Yeah, I it was thought. A huge very miss. Candyman esque. <laughs> <see it. laughs> no, yeah, he flies away. Uh, Dan Bullkemper, what what how what what else? What are your other thoughts on the beekeeper? I mean, I I genuinely enjoyed it quite a bit. I don't, it's like I have to temper it a little bit because it's like, I also like The Meg and Meg 2. And I know those are not good films, but they all lead up to this, you know, the final 20 minutes or whatever. I think unlike those and what makes this film a bit better is it's actually consistently pretty entertaining and consistently enjoyable and has a lot of interesting sequences, a lot of really dumb sets. It has a lot of like caricatures in it that 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 work um but i don't i i think the the only problem i think it has is it does it does have to lean way too hard on jason statham to make it work i think without him i i don't know i can't think of another you know anybody who's like a named actor who would like actually make this work when the ron was hitting at it earlier his his deadpan yeah just yeah. delivery that straight man he plays it's all what the he does time. best He's like yeah yeah he he just doesn't yeah, he he. It, it's like this film really needed him. That kind of 
character to work without him. It just doesn't. It, I, I when you watch this movie, you understand why he makes the big bucks. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is why he can do that. He can make this 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 crazy shit go make it make mm-hmm. sense to yes. us. Yes. Yes. And so, I don't know. I, I I would say for him alone, it <laughs> it works. And it's it's just a testament to how how I think how much of his presence and, and again, yeah, how much he allows these like really goofy premises to, to kind of come together. But then that being said, when you lose that focus a little bit, it's, mm-hmm. it's not like the film has a lot, a lot going, going for, it. for yeah, it. Yeah. No, it really, yeah, because it's, it's the action. I mean, the cartooniness I think is a feature. It's, yeah. 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 But, but, but uh, the action's not, that's the thing. It's, it's doing a John Wick thing, but the, it's it's the campy silliness is the feature here versus yeah. the action sequences. It's when yeah. it tries any in any capacity to be serious is with with the the right. FBI agent and that like yeah. that's, those things don't work because I don't think they understood the kind of movie they were making. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that feels divorced from everything else going around. But so there's yeah. no pathos here, even if they're try mm-hmm. attempting at it. Um, so anytime it does that, but the, thankfully there's not a lot of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it's. You know, it's not too distracting, and it's it's paced really well. I yeah. think too. I was never bored. Was quick. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think there's so many great moments, and I'm thinking about that scene where they're standing outside. I think it's the second building that he takes down. Where they're like, "Where's yeah?" They're like got all these cameras, and he just like walks up. He's like, "Oh, yo, you looking for me?" And then he just beats him up. <laughs> like, I know, and that was the moment. That, that was, moment was it, when it was a great. It was a great peekaboo because even like the audience, well, you're like, he, all of a sudden he's just there. <laughs> and it's like before that, it's like the longest period of time you get where you don't have yeah. Jason Statham's character. And I was beginning to think, I'm like, he really needs to. Be and then he just yeah, like enters up. the frame and uh, yeah, yeah I, I I really position this movie. I won't add anything to what you guys have already said. This is in my mind the quintessential January matinee. Mm-hmm. It's it's great for a Saturday afternoon in January. You don't got a lot going on. There's not a lot of competition. It's not smart. It's very fun though. Yeah, and it's just it's a great time with the movies. I I it's it's probably my favorite movie on this list. Honestly, <laughs> uh, like like the full package in terms of my personal enjoyment mm-hmm. uh, of the movies mm-hmm. we watched. Uh, well, what letter grade would we give The Beekeeper, LaRon Chapman? I give the bee movie with actual bees um, a B minus in my book. B minus. Going for the bees, Daniel Bokemper. Yeah, I'm split between a C plus and a B minus because I'm trying to like Be temper realistic. myself a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and because I, I was thinking about the, the Batman review and I gave that a B minus, which would be higher. And I did enjoy more than this film. But I, I would I think. Like if we were getting really specific with it, it's like a B minus to like an 80% or like a 79.5%. It's kind of right on that line. But I, I think I'll say B minus too. I, I, it feels right. Yeah. I was going to go, I'll say C plus just to, to mix up C plus, but it, it, it just, it under generally speaking, it, it understands the assignment and it delivers on what it promises in the, the trailers and marketing, which so. is all you could ask from a movie called The Beekeeper with Jason Statham. Exactly, exactly. It's like the best version of the thing that could exist, I think. All right, well, with that said, let's move on to our next review. Now, we're we're gonna radical shift in tone. We've done two action, silly spy movies. Now we're gonna move on to something a lot more dense, origin. I wanna be in the story really inside the story and build a thesis that shows how all of this is linked i gotta be honest with you i don't understand i don't see it you go and write your stories folks need to know about this you're trying to make sense of racism but your thesis is flawed it was all lies. They knew we weren't inferior. You don't escape trauma by ignoring it. You escape trauma by confronting it. I don't write questions. I write answers. Uh, so, origin was released exclusively in theaters, limited release on January 19th, followed by a wider release on January 26th. I get in this weird area with, with movies like this where I t- I'm going to count it under 2024 for me. Sure. It did technically qualify for last year's Oscars. They had it as a one-week engagement only as a qualifier 
for the Oscars mm. in like LA and New York, I think last year. That Literally said, no one saw no it. No one saw January. it until January. So I'm I'm putting it in 2024 uh area. And I really wanted to at least hit on this one. So according to IMDB, Origin is described as the unspoken system that has shaped America and chronicles how lives today are defined by a hierarchy of human divisions. That's definitely not the story. It's more about the theory the movie is covering. So I'll just kind of give you the uh, a lowdown on what it is. This is uh, based on the author's story writing the book about which origin is based on. So – the the movies the book is like the cast right it's a cast the origin of our discontents yes and it's uh, Isabel Wilkerson and it is a non fiction movie that's really trying to posit and dig into these ideas of how does racism in America connect to the evils of Nazi Germany and mm-hmm. so on and so forth yeah it was a Pulitzer Prize winning piece of work yes twenty twenty yeah twenty twenty it, it, it blew up during the pandemic uh-huh. I think was what uh, I was listening to a couple of interviews with Ava Duvernay and she said that like everyone was reading it at one point in twenty twenty denser material and it's it's really interesting because the book is not a there's no main characters it is literally her trying to like lay out her research and just and, and describe the theory I I would like to read the book personally it's really because uh-huh. the subject matter is super interesting the the movie follows her story, her personal journey, because there was quite a bit of personal tragedy that occurred to Isabel uh, while while she was writing the book. And it's really interesting because it it feels very experimental in that it's doing a lot of things documentaries do, but within a framework of a narrative narrative film, which is sort of where I think the the tension and push and pull and how well it works for you or not is is gonna lie. So with that said, Lamar Chapman, uh, you actually gave Origin some kudos uh, yeah. on our uh, year-end show. Yeah. What did you think of the film? Um, so, yeah, this is, as you mentioned, a very dense, has a very dense, compelling thesis. And um, it brings a lot of ideas and discourse to the table, kind of while challenging the audience, you know, to kind of look a little bit deeper and beyond the narrative and perspectives that we've kind of been fed, you know, our whole lives. Um it also has some really terrific performances from Anjanu Ellis as the lead. Andre McDon- McDonald has a great scene-stilling moment here towards the middle of the film. Nisi Nash-Betts has is a great supporting role here in Vera Farminga. Um, this movie for me is like pure ambition. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's risk-taking at its in its in its finest form. The ambition is somewhat trapped and confined in this narrative structure with the material, and many arguing that this probably should have been a documentary. Um, And I'm inclined to agree with that, Um, but I'd be lying if I told you that I didn't hang on every word that was being said in this, and that I didn't admire some of the messiness and some of the creative risks taken here as... in interpret it you know interpreting this really weighty material you know so i don't know if it entirely works but unlike some of the films we've mentioned before here on this it's like its flaws are interesting in in ways that i'm leaning into it and it still makes for a compelling experience even if it doesn't entirely work as a narrative film so. Yeah, no, I think uh, well said. It, yeah. It's a great conversation starter, I think, mm-hmm. too, uh, if nothing else. Uh, Daniel Bokemper? Yeah, no, and that, that's a that's a really good point because I think where it, it, it doesn't entirely – and I don't want to say it doesn't work because I think as a whole it really does. I think there's just portions of this film that work a lot better yeah. than others, and I think even the, the you know supposed flaws, they're still – extremely interesting like every what what i would perceive as a potential shortcoming here which again are primarily structural it makes me just want to know more it makes more me wish that it, this yeah. was like a mini series but when people say they wish it was um potentially documentary that that makes total sense to me um i in 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 a in a portion of this film maybe you know a third to two thirds of it i i would agree with that but i do think the story which this isn't and maybe that's where the focus gets a little muddled because I think as just a biopic mm-hmm. of uh, Isabel Wilkerson during an you know tremendously tragic and, sure. and otherwise tough difficult point of her life, it works really well. Yeah. I think when you're trying to explain potentially the entirety 
of human um, depravity. Human that, depravity, and then also <laughs> even just adapting her her theory of of caste systems. The narrative it, form is so limited. It is the theatrical runtime doesn't lend itself to yeah. that. And I just and, the the ideas she's she's trying to really dig into yeah. are so broad and. Mm-hmm. And again, ambitious. Like I see and the connections. Like there's, you see the connecting points, but I don't know that in terms of like actually building a, a great thesis on the bit realized yeah. on the big screen that clearly ties these things in a profound statement. I don't think it lands on yeah. a theory it, side. Okay. I, I think I think as like a I. I think as like a because I still think those connections were were pretty clear to me personally, but I think it did feel like it was kind of summarizing what I presume and I have not read cast, but right. I'm, I'm going to assume it's like, a, a, yeah. it does a pretty good job of summarizing like the three major movements of, mm-hmm. of that. And I'm sure there's more evidence to support these Absolutely. in and, the book, well, but the it, movie the doesn't, movie doesn't, doesn't have time. And what she does and, to compensate is she does what Ava DuVernay does extremely well, which is leans into the emotionality of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So even though I felt, uh, at times there was a lot of pieces lacking for me to fully say, Oh man, I get the, the touch points mm-hmm. here. Yeah. But she does it with emotionality and examples. So like there might be like some like logical, you know, argument mm-hmm. may, or, or evidence presenting, but here's this human story that showcases how yeah. this system has oppressed this individual. And here's how this experience is similar to this other experience in a totally different part of the world at a different time. Yeah. And yeah, and and I will say, um, I, I agree that yeah, it doesn't doesn't fully have the space to make those connections clear. I do think it's capable of doing that in a slightly different form. But at the same time, I will say, in this part of this is biased because I like films about writers and about mm-hmm. the process of writing. And I think two of the sequences in this film that work really well and kind of meld those two ideas about what origin is about or excuse me what cast is about and what um isabel wilkerson her personal experience is is there's there's a scene where she's in germany studying the holocaust and she speaks with a she's having dinner with theorists and it's talks about how one of her connections doesn't it doesn't fully work yet it doesn't it's not it still needs to gestate she knows it's in her mind that it's connected but it, it gets to the point where they talk about like what was the purpose of the holocaust first what is the purpose of slavery where slavery was was commerce holocaust was the extermination and genocide which you could argue that ultimately those two things converge fully and and yeah, the movie the movie doesn't do that though yeah it at least talks about it, it, it at least it, it at least in that sequence i felt it was doing a really good job of in the in the the following scene it does a good job of melding those i will but it doesn't have enough time to fully it doesn't sit there and, and, that, and, and walk i guess, I guess my, me- but, my meaning is like and, and I, the reason i'm honing in on this is because i think yeah. it's a very specific example of the shortcomings of what they're doing i don't think it diminishes the i actually don't think it diminishes the movie by the way um, no but it's okay so what is the difference between uh like, like like okay one is for commerce one is hatred what's how are those two different and what's connect what is the connecting principle right and they don't really have the space sure. to, to do that. Well, and something that I was interested that isn't included here is we just talked about Killers of the Flower Moon. We talked about, you know, the Tulsa, the Tulsa massacre. Like, here's an example that that's not included. And that's an aspect of where here you had you had white people coming in, marrying into wealth, then retroactively, you know what I mean? Like, right. like exterminating these people. Yeah. And that that adds an interesting thread that's not included in this thesis that that maybe is in the book but but the, but the, maybe, the idea know. is but the idea is connect, but you're right like that's another great example mm-hmm. of a similar scenario yeah. where you're like this actually falls into the cast theory pretty pretty clearly yeah. honestly yeah. yeah and and I do want to mention something that's kind of detached specifically from the content of cast itself but I think is just a, a scene that I really really enjoyed it's um Isabel is having a conversation with her cousin I mm-hmm. believe it's not her sister mm-hmm. And that's Nisi Nash, I believe. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And she's at asked, the barbecue. Yes. yes and she's scene. asking her, she's like, let's like, how do you make this make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, right. I know what you're getting at. And in the fact that 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 moment of unpacking, because I think one of the, the biggest things in a lot of films don't like 
I'm not going to say a lot of films. I think a lot of, you know, many films probably do speak to this, but I think this one did exceedingly well is about how important clarity is mm -hmm. in, in language and cadence. And, right. Yes. Like and, she's like, you got to make me understand it. Like the, yes. in layman terms and the way she says it to her after she get, makes her argument yeah. in this kind of like extended monologue, she was like, you need to say it to people just like that. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, for them to get this, you know. And I don't like to, like, I like to look at films as a whole, but I will say in this instance, that was a single scene that I think just, I felt like the, the inclusion of that and how it was handled and how well the dialogue was in that in that moment really just appreciated ultimately how I felt about this film. It just, re it really made it resonate. It made it very real and it made it very real in instances where I felt like this film was trying to cover so much ground, you only have moments for dialogue. It, that's it very acknowledges it's it, it, it almost like it's acknowledging in that one instance, right. its own shortcomings. Like yeah. we can't cover all this, but yes. understand that. And we know it's a lot of, it, it's a big complex thing to digest, yeah. but I need you to understand that like a lot of research has been done on this subject. Yeah. And, it's almost like it's selling the book. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I, hopefully the idea is <laughs> yeah. it, it, it raises awareness for the theory. People go read the book and have these conversations. Sure. Yeah. I think is yeah, worthwhile. Sure. Um, yeah, uh, man, we could really spend a lot more time talking about this movie for a deep dive review. However, we don't have the time right now. Yes. Um, only thing I'm going to add uh, and to, is to echo Laurent, uh is, you know, I, don't th I think this movie is kind of messy and it doesn't totally work for me 100% of the time. But you know what? I really admire Ava DuVernay taking some massive swings and committing whole heart. And it's, she's doing it for something that I think is really important. And I really want to applaud that she is leveraging what clout she does have in Hollywood to take these kinds of swings. Mm -hmm. And I, again, like Laurent said, the flaws it has, I, I the shortcomings I see from this movie specifically are interesting. And I am super curious to learn more, which at the end of the day, maybe that's a success. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I I just want to hats off to going all out and sure. um, really committing to this, this story. Uh, what letter grade would we give Origin, LeRon Chapman? Um, I just want to make one final statement. Yeah. And that's that this movie for me is just as much about process and discovery mm. and the author itself as it is about what she is arguing, her thesis that she's arguing. And I think that it's most successful when it leans on that aspect of the yeah. story yeah. than it is about the thesis itself. It's more like an introduction to the thesis, but we do. I do feel like I know this woman very yes. well by the end of right. it. Yeah. And that's yeah. where it shines. But um, as a letter grade, I would give the experience of this movie a B plus. I'd give the movie itself a B minus, which probably levels out to a B here. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, it's one that I would watch again. Um, and I did. I did have. Um, I mean, it left me with a lot to resonate with, and that's. That's the most you can ask of any movie, I think, you know, is to leave you with something to chew on and made me challenge even my own notions about systemic racism in our country. And maybe racism is a symptom of a larger problem and not the, you know what I mean? Because that's the narrative we've been told from the beginning. And maybe this wasn't the origin of this problem. Maybe mm -hmm. there was something above it. And that's a really that's a really kind of mind melting idea, you know, so. Absolutely. I, I think that's well said. Uh, Daniel Bokemper? Yeah, it, it, it's a little difficult for me to grade it because, they, yeah, again, those those scenes that work especially well, especially about the process of writing and, and making yourself known, and then all of the, the more emotionally um, jarring scenes that are up front um, in the, probably in the first third of the film, those work, but it does stretch itself really thin um, in a lot of moments. And so I, I'm, I teeter between a, a B and a B plus, but I do think just how, how well it captures sort of the act of writing in certain moments and the act of putting together an idea that seems larger than life. Um, it, I, I lean a bit closer, I think to that B plus. And then I also just think it, it's it, the amount of intrigue it has is, is really, um, compelling, but at the same sense, it's like, I would be lying if I didn't say like, I wish we had this film that paired with maybe a documentary. Yeah, like I wish we had one. No, that, for real though, like a companion yeah, release would just, be great. Yeah. yeah, or even if this film just was more about Isabel, like yeah. Ron was getting to, and then, yeah, and then maybe like a three-part miniseries or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Not a lot to add here. Um, I actually think the experience, yeah, B plus, movie-wise, I think it's a C plus, so B minus. Um, sure. But would 
100% recommend people watch it. It's yeah. flawed, but you will walk away thinking about a lot of things, probably feeling a lot of things, um, I, I would imagine. Uh, again, that's one of the things that I think Ava DuVernay does extremely well is the emotionality behind these really uh, deep-rooted problems. Yeah. Um, with that said, let's move on to our next film, Society of the Snow. Society of the Snow was released exclusively on Netflix on January 4th. I think there was a small limited release, the very, another one of those that barely snuck into theaters at, at the end of December in a couple, like in a couple of cities. But by and large, you watch it on Netflix. Hmm. So according to IMDb, Society of the Snow is described as the flight of a rugby team crashes on a glacier in the Andes. The few passengers who survive the crash find themselves in one of the world's toughest environments to survive. And I should note, this is the second time this story has been told on the big screen, with the first being 1993's Alive, you know, with Ethan Hawke playing one of these uh, uh, Chilean, Chilean rugby players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the same name as the main character in this. So. Yes. So, Laurent Chapman, I'm going to start with you because you shared with me, and I saw you post on Facebook, that Alive was actually a very important film to you. Was, so, yeah. uh, so tell me a little bit about that, and uh, what did you think of Society of the Snow? Yeah, Alive, uh, I, I saw this at a very young age. It's one of those VHSs my grandma had, and she's a, a big advocate for true stories, even if they're not told with, I mean, of course, at this time. I mean, we got to put in context, this is 1993. We weren't as evolved as a society in terms of who could play these roles, and they just told stories that were true with actors that at the time were really hot and new and what have you. And so I don't fault the film too much for now. It's more so looking back at it that I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe not the best choice. But as a film experience then, you know, I remember it being very compelling, very harrowing, you know, and um, just the subject matter alone. And I think this newer film for sure goes much harder on the, mm -hmm. uh, the extremity of the brutality of this environment in this world and what happened. Um, but it, the 1993 version doesn't exactly shy away from the, that, that as well. And so that resonated with me a lot as a kid seeing it. And again, my introduction to Ethan Hawke, one of my favorite actors, um, at a very young age, um, it was, it was a compelling survivalist story. So, um, I was actually, so I came to this film, with that knowledge of that history and and already knowing what it was about, a lot of people didn't, you know, um, were seeing it for the first time. It's their first introduction to it. It's a much better introduction to this <laughs> yeah. to this to this material. Um, but yeah, um, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Um, and you know, there are two or three set pieces in this that were so jarring and so impressive in their like construction. Um, the director whose previous works include um, yes. the disaster flick, The Impossible, um, the horror film, um, The Orphanage, mm -hmm. um, and uh, Monster, a uh, Monster Calls, that kind of fantasy. What you know? He you're he bearing the lead, Laron. You're, you're bearing the lead. So he sorry. also did Jurassic World, the, the which with the second one. Listen, guys, yeah. I, the less Fallen said, Kingdom. the, le Kingdom, the yes. last, the less said about that, the, <laughs> the better. Um, but he does a really good job of integrating the dark and the beautiful, you know. Yeah. And um, he finds a way to not exploit the something that could have been very sensationalized, giving some of the things that happened in the story. Mm -hmm. Um, and he 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 sees the 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 true um, the central characters in this is beating living breathing human beings that survive something pretty traumatic and does a very tasteful job of telling their story um, without turning it into a horror film, right? Yeah. You know, for the sake of shock value and what have you. And so I admired that about the film a lot. Yeah, I, I thought that was uh, a nice touch. Um, I, I will say that plane crash was probably one of the worst. I mean, yeah. most effective mm -hmm. plane crashes I've ever seen in a movie of yes. all time. It was truly horrifying. Really good at what LeBron was just talking about too, where it, where it balances the beauty with the, um, sort of the grotesqueness and the mm -hmm. and the, the 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 morbid aspects of the stories. I think in that plane crash, you get this like moment of like it, it's rising over this ledge, and you see this like beautiful sunrise and mm -hmm. just a very light scene, and then 
suddenly the plane just like both of the wings shoot off and you have this very, very, very scary. It's like you don't even have enough time to process all yeah. of the like. It feels like a, if you were in a plane crash, if you feel like you're in it. Yeah. You know, the yeah. Pla- all of a sudden the second, the back half of the plane's just gone. Yeah. Yeah. So. Daniel, what'd you think of the movie? Um, in, Enjoy is a <laughs> weird word to use um, for this, but I'm going to say it, um, it, it. I think it's an exceptional film. And I think of the, of the ones we're discussing today, I think this is the one that resonated with me the most. Um, I, I think the cast is, is really great. And, and yes, it does. I watched a live um, very recently, um, but not realizing that uh, not really fully knowing about society of the snow yet. And then realizing, Oh, it's the same story. It's just told from a different lens. And I think, um, I still liked Alive when I watched it, but yes, it's like it's weird to see Ethan Hawke, who has a perfectly trimmed goatee <laughs> the entire time. And the I think I want hair at the time. Yeah, and I don't want to be this one just becomes a little more realistic in that a and 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 I know Nando Parada is the logical like main main character for this thing. If you're if we're likening it to like a um you know within the narrative itself, but. I feel like with Society of the Snow, Roberto is the actual mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. central character, and I think yeah. that's a good choice. I think it starts with him, it ends with him. It, yeah, it, it's very film, and 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 that's the thing where this film gets a little bit harder to parse. Is there? Are, I mean, because there was like forty people up yeah, there, and then yeah. they had to find the the people to stand out. Other, but there's a lot of like it is and nondescript. Like okay. All of a sudden, it's yeah. just like you, uh, they do list every time someone, uh, one of the survivors dies good. on the screen, which, good, which is great. I loved it. It's a great touch to make yes. it feel. Yes. That, that was a yeah. great thing. And I think yeah, and I think tonally this film in in a lot of ways works better than Alive. And again, I, I think Alive does well, but like there's a sequence. It's just it's a different kind of movie. I think mm-hmm. Alive leans more towards not to say both films have an element of like triumph that it's trying to work towards that like we have to survive. But I think this film does a lot better at like reconciling how harsh that climate was and how, how, you know, just, just how hard it was to survive. But I think, yeah, ultimately I, I really, really, really enjoyed this film. And I think it makes a lot of choices that again, doesn't, doesn't completely nullify alive or anything like that, but it, it, it just, it just builds out that story a lot better. Yeah. Some minor shortcomings, but, but otherwise I think it's, it's a, incredibly powerful film a great score too i thought mm-hmm. michael giacchino uh yeah well this was it was a great touch because i'm listening and firstly i, I love michael giacchino at large uh, i first found him through lost and i i'm sitting here listening i'm like huh this sounds like lost adjacent there's a lot of <laughs> similar overlaps in the terms of like uplifting and there's a lot of thematic overlap in terms of you know another story about a plane crash and then i was like oh it's michael giacchino this all I understand why they brought in Michael Giacchino for this film specifically, you know, um, even though they did a great job, I think largely at employing people not from uh, America in this scenario. Um, Like these are all people who are actual like native to the the story, but it was Michael Giacchino. Great score. The cinematography Mm -hmm. from Pedro Luque, uh, Luque, who is phenomenal. Yeah. Like the, the capture the mountains again, the beauty and the horror of all of it. Uh, tremendously well. Um, this this earned an Oscar nomination in international film, and I I mean, or best, what is the new title now? Is, is, there, is that right? I think it's international film. Yeah. I, and honestly, I I I know Zone of Interest is 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 the likely winner in that category. But if I was if I was picking the winner, this would probably be the one I would choose over. I was more emotionally connected to this, yeah. but I think that's by design too. I mean, they're very yeah. different films. There's no, it's not me coming down on the zone of interest, which is a very well-made film, but I just, I found this a lot more compelling and something. I else. will rewatch this one. I, right. I, I don't think, uh, I have, I can come up with a lot of reasons I would come back to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas zone of interest, I feel again, like in a more academic type studying approach sure. is, is superior, but I also am like, well, I'm not just going to just turn on zone of interest or, <laughs> right. or lightly recommend it. This one, I feel the survivalism of it, um, mm-hmm. the spectacle of it. Um, and just, and it's also an uplifting story at the yeah. end of the day. I mean, it's, Awful, mm-hmm. awful is the things that happen in this movie. It's a, a story of the, the triumph of the human spirit and the human yeah. will. And I also think that this movie does a better job in terms of because, like, I mean, is it it can we say something that happens in yeah. it? Or is it? There's cannibalism in this for survival, and mm-hmm. I feel like, um, you know, this it does a good job with that character of showing the the moral dilemma he has with doing it, even with deceased bodies. You know, feeling like I can't. I can't compel myself to do that even to survive. Right. And, and then the kind of the, how he acquiesces to that, to live is, 
is very I love I love that that tension there mm-hmm. where it's not very matter of fact. There is some there's some discernment there where he's 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 having to wrestle with the decision to and, to do that too. And like you said, it's not it's not sensationalized. Yeah, either. not so, sensationalized. Because so, yeah. um, in a lesser movie, we would be seeing like gory bits of them, like yeah. very um, yellow jackets esque. Right. Know, sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, but no, not not yeah. here. It's very just it's it's a matter of survival. They don't glorify. They all they acknowledged how icky it is, but it's also like. Well, it's this or die. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, we kind of see it through the lens of I couldn't possibly do this to, mm-hmm. well, what do I do? Uh, just really powerful uh, storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, what letter grade would we give Society of the Snow? Daniel Bokemper. Uh I'm going to give it an A minus. I, I really enjoyed it. It's a film I intend to revisit um, relatively soon. And again, I think it 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 gives for the most part. Um, I would say I wish there was a little bit more about, and again, not to spoil anything, but Nando and Roberto, their their descent, the way they ultimately mm-hmm. were able to get out and save the remaining survivors. Um, it, it gets more of that than Alive did, but it doesn't, I feel like there was still more to tell there. Sure. Um, so I guess that it kind of left me wanting in that regard, but otherwise I, I really, really enjoyed this film. So A minus. A minus. LeBron Chapman? I spent the first week of the film I just wrapped on, like doing overnights in... January winter Um, and I mean like with tents and a heater you know like just wind blowing ice on the ground like freezing weather for 12 hours and the only I'll tell you this movie is very effective because the thing that was on my mind I was like if they could live 72 days out in the without heaters you know what I mean like and they survived, then I can't bitch about being paid to stand here in the cold for twelve hours. So I'm glad it did that for me. For that, it gets an A minus, and it's I think it's a I think it's a pretty terrific film. Awesome. I'm gonna give it a full A. Um, I I think if the one thing keeping me from A plus is I I do feel like, and it's it's tough. It's such a big cast of characters. I wish I had gotten to know some of them a little better. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. I I think that's a very small shortcoming in an otherwise spectacular film. Mm -hmm. I I will revisit this. I will recommend this. Not lightly, but I'll recommend this to a lot of people. I think they should definitely check it out. Uh, Worth your time. Worth the two and a half hours, unlike some of the other movies we've watched Mm -hmm. on this list. All right. Time for our very last film that we're going to have to go through very quickly. It's okay. okay. Mean Girls. Oh, hell no! Move. Hey, PG-13, please. What was that? Oh, Lord, it's the Queen Bee. Regina George. Don't look her in the eye! You could be really hot if you change, like, everything. I met a guy in the summer and I left him in the spring. Welcome to health and human sexuality. We'll be getting into abstinence, of course, then followed by in the spring, condoms and choking. You're learning things now that I don't know how to teach. Mean Girls was released exclusively in theaters on January 12th. According to IMDb, Mean Girls is described as Katie Heron is a hit with the plastics, an A-list girl click at her new school, but everything changes when she makes the mistake of falling for Aaron Samuels, the ex-boyfriend of Alpha Plastic Regina George. Obviously, this is a remake of the 2004 film uh, from Tina Fey, starring Lindsay Lohan. This is a musical, something that was somewhat buried in the marketing, uh, and the film is directed by Samantha Jane and Arturo Perez Jr. I did not catch this film. We are short on time, but really quickly, I want to turn it to you guys. Daniel Bokemper, what did you think of Mean Girls? Yeah, um, I I don't think I, as a fan of the original Mean Girls, um, there's a lot of me, like, I'm, I'm kind of predisposed to, to want to enjoy this, and for the most part, I enjoy musicals as well, but when I kind of remove the the hot pink tinted glasses and look at this for what it is. Personally, I don't think it adds a lot to Mean Girls. Um, I know it kind of reframes it into modern day, and so you get some bits of social media engagement and things like that and montages involving that, but I don't think that does much for the film. And I will say, musically, it, it just didn't fully connect with me. I don't know why there wasn't just like... And I, and I feel like I always, because I'm not super musically inclined inherently, but I do enjoy a good musical, but I'm always looking for something to like kind of grab to and kind of a, um, at least a, a song or two that will resonate. And, and and in this one, I don't think any of them for whatever reason, they just didn't, didn't really connect with me in that way. Um, that being said, I do think two really, really strong aspects of this film are the two characters um, who are my favorites in the original, which is uh, 
um, is it Damien and Janice? Mm-hmm. And that was pre- played. Um, it's Jaquel Spivey, and um, I, was, I, I have it. It's I, I wrote it out to spell it correct, say it correctly. Ow Lee, Lee, Alili, Ow as in like Ow Lee as in Je- Bruce Lee, and then another E at the end. Okay. I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> uh, but she was really good as Janice. Um, so those two characters were really strong. I think overall, that's that's my thoughts in a nutshell. I It's kind of like take it or leave it. I, I'm sure people will really enjoy this film a lot more. But for me, as again, admittedly, a Mean Girls fan, I don't I don't know if it, it d- did anything to like build upon that foundation. What's your letter grade? Uh, I feel like a like a C. See, right yeah. down the middle. Yeah. All right. LeBron Chapman, quick thoughts and letter grade. I like this uh, uh, probably a, a lot more than you did. I went into it with very kind of low expectations. Yeah. Um, I did like the updated material. I like the way that they kind of, you know, acknowledge some of the faults of the other one because there were some things they got away with in Mean Girls that oh, probably that's true. don't age as well. This is 2004, right? 2004, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, I, I surprisingly did like a lot of the music. I don't think every song lands, but I agree with you. The standouts are the two that you mentioned because Ali, Ali, you know, does the, the voice of, um, uh, Moana in. Oh, in that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's why she sounds amazing when yeah, she sings. No, I was like, oh, I've heard this voice before. And then he is the lead in the Tony award winning, um, uh, uh, a strange loop. And, and that was a big deal. Um, just a couple years ago. And so when they sing, I think they were a powerhouse duo. Every song yeah. they sung, I liked. The lead wasn't what, particularly, you know, compelling to what me. What did you think of Renee Rapp as Regina I George? thought she was, I thought vocally she okay. was great. She was great. I liked, I liked the couple of songs that she got. It's great. I, I haven't seen the movie, but I do love that she's actually still age appropriate for the role. Unlike the, what, what was the one that came out yeah. last year uh, or two years ago where the actor was like, in his 40, 30s or 40s. And he, yeah. yeah, yeah. And these are, and yeah, that's another thing too. Everyone cast yeah. here feels like the character, yeah. like the age, yeah. the right age appropriate for it. So that was nice. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I enjoy the music a lot more. I, I, those, at least three of the songs from it, I did download. The other ones I can live without. But yeah, um, yeah I, I don't think there's like a strong case for this to exist necessarily. It's not essential viewing. But I do think for fans of the original material, and merging the worlds of theater and film, you know, and because it was a musical, it did have a, a nice run on Broadway. Um, it, it works in those ways. It's not going to have the longevity of the original Mean Girls, but it's a nice nostalgic trip, you know. So my letter grade would be a B on this. So. All right, a B and a C. Sounds like it's a, it's a big win for Mean Girls fans, like the yeah. diehards, yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Laron and Daniel, thank you for watching several of these movies. Daniel, watching all of the movies, including Argyle. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I could uh, unsee that. <laughs> um, where can listeners keep up with you and your work online, Daniel Bokemper? Yeah, find me at thecinematropolis.com, of course, writing essays. Um, hopefully, there will be some Dune-related material down the pipe. Um, but in addition, uh, flickattack.com, um, I do have a review of The Beekeeper up there. So if you want to uh, read a few more of my thoughts on that film, uh, visit, again, flickattack.com. Laurent Chapman? And you can follow my reviews also on The Cinematropolis very soon here. Woo-woo, keep it up, yes. cinematropolis.com. Uh, of course, you can follow me on all the social media channels uh, at C Masters Talk. That's letter C Masters Talk uh, or all of our work at the cinematropolis.com. Hey, quick sneak peek. So we uh, up next have uh, an emergency episode reviewing Madam Web because it is an emergency indeed. Um, oh, Madam Web. And, and uh, yes, I she's know. bigger than the Hulk. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and then we're going to be doing our Oscars preview annual tradition here. Uh, we're very excited about that. So listeners can keep your ears open for that. And then following the Oscars, we'll be back with dune part two reviews including the two of you along with dalton stewart and joe light very excited for that one so a lot of exciting things in the pipe listeners we are finally back stay subscribed new episodes coming to you we'll catch you again next time Mm -hmm.